1954, Daryl Huff wrote How to Lie with Statistics. You may have heard of it. What you may not know is that from the 1950s onward, Daryl Huff spent the rest of his career working for the tobacco lobby, ridiculing the link between smoking and health problems. Kind of makes you look at the book in a different light, hmm? You can lie with statistics, or you can use numbers to find the truth. I'm your host, Stephen Davis, and welcome to Episode 10 of Disability Democracy. This weekly podcast is about practical actions that you can take to make a difference in your community. The goal of Disability Democracy is to accelerate the disability community revolution. Find out more at disabilitydemocracy.org. Trigger warning. Just so you know, we are going to be talking special education metrics in this episode. I know they are hard to visualize. This stuff is really important. It has taken me longer than usual to put this episode together. We'll be back to our weekly schedule next week, I hope. As always, I'll include links and other information in the program notes, and email me at steve at notwithoutus.org if you have any questions. General education students have tons of books and online resources to help them find out if their school is good, and there is data and reports on how different states are doing. Not so for kids with disabilities. Figuring out where to go and where you stand in special education is a different beast. But knowledge is power. There is data out there, and I'm going to help you find it and use it. I'm just one guy who lives in San Mateo, California, so I'm going to talk you through the process for where I live. I hope it gives you the tools you need to work things out for where you live. Again, this is harder than it needs to be, so if you have problems, let me know and we'll work it out together. Let's start big and look at the U.S. as a whole. Now, you would think with all the comments and complaining about special education that there would be comprehensive data and reports on how much special education costs and how well it works. You would be wrong. But there is an annual report prepared by the Department of Education on the Individual with Disabilities Act idea. The latest is the Annual Report to Congress on the Implementation of the Individuals with Disabilities Act, 2019. That's this year's report. It opens with a mission of the IDEA law to ensure the free, appropriate public education of all children with disabilities. There is a lot of information in this report. I couldn't possibly cover it all. Definitely check it out. It is available online at the Department of Education, and I'll provide a link in the program notes at disabilitydemocracy.org. It gets updated every year, though this year it was later than it has been. The report covers the three main sections of IDEA. Part C, which covers infants and toddlers, Part B for your young kids from age 3 to 5, and then also in Part B, there is a main session for kids from 6 till 21 when they age out of the special education program. 
let's get some of the bad news out right away. There are systematic racial problems within special education. There is over-identification for some racial groups and under-identification for others. There are problems with misdiagnosis and some major disabilities aren't even covered. African-American boys seem to be over-identified with emotional disturbance and girls are under-identified with autism. While IDEA claims to address all children with disabilities, it doesn't. There are some disabilities that don't qualify for benefits under the IDEA law, and that is one of the big limitations of the report. It is actually a report on the federally funded special education program. So many children, kids with ADHD, dyslexia, or even some physical disabilities aren't included in here at all, and they aren't reported on anywhere else. Dealing with disabilities is like playing hot potato. Everyone is in a big hurry to hand you off to someone else. So again, what we have in the IDEA report is a review of the special education program, not outcomes for kids with disabilities. So, for example, there is no data on how many students with disabilities are performing at or above grade level. Shockingly low, as we'll discuss in our upcoming episode that takes a look at California's data in more detail. There's no information on their job prospects or life expectancies. The metrics are pretty limited, and they don't seem to be designed to help make the program better. It is really frustrating, but the numbers are still useful. I'm going to focus on the parts of the report for kids from age 6 to 21. Just a reminder that you can find full episode transcripts and additional resources at disabilitydemocracy.org. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, contact me there. We are reworking our newsletter to provide you with even more valuable content, and it is an easy way to get information about our episodes. Let me know how we can make disability democracy more accessible and more actionable for you. As I said, there really isn't any academic performance data to be found in the IDEA report. So they are reporting on education without actually talking about the education piece. Buckle up, it's going to be a bumpy ride. I stumbled on this report for the first time in January of 2018. For me, it was eye-opening. Special education is kept so quiet and so individualized, you don't have any context for how others are doing to give you some sort of idea of how you are doing. That is the power of this report. It is the best national report card that we have today for students with disabilities. I'm going to cover three of the metrics for disabled kids between ages 6 and 21. Graduation rate, number of trained special education teachers, and the inclusion of students with disabilities in general education. Let's start with graduation from high school. The national average graduation rate for students with disabilities is 63.7%, with 17.1% dropping out. It varies widely from state to state. New Jersey has the top graduation rate of 94%, 
Go New Jersey, followed by Minnesota, Connecticut, and Arkansas at just over 86% each. Then there is a depressing cluster of states down in the lower 60% level or states not reporting any data at all. Again, I have a list of the appropriate pages and tables from the report in the program notes. If you can't find anything, let me know. This is a lot to take in. If you have any other federal or state data to share, drop me a note at steve at notwithoutus.org so we can all work together and help each other. What is missing from these graduation numbers is context. What is the overall graduation rate for students who don't have disabilities? At first blush, California was doing pretty well. In 2017, the last year with data provided in the report, 75.6% of students with disabilities graduated. Not bad. Unfortunately, by 2018 to 19, the last year for which I have data in California, the graduation rate had slipped to 70.7%, 5% in two years. And that is versus 85.9% for all students. But, and this is a hint of what's to come, what is much more disturbing is the metric for California's college and career readiness here. I don't think this is a national standard, and I haven't quite decoded what it means. Only 10.8% of students with disabilities were considered prepared for college or to work here in California. This compares with a still depressing 44.1% of all California graduating students. 10.8% of disabled students leaving high school being ready for college or careers is a damning statement about the education program, and it sets these kids up for a grim future. Clearly, social promotion is a problem here in California. It is particularly damaging for disabled students. One number I have seen was that only around 15% of disabled adults are employed. It isn't a surprise. Poor education can only hurt your future job prospects. According to a brand new report, the overall employment rate for disabled adults was 28.3% compared to 70% for the population as a whole. And this was in September of 2020. I haven't seen any study between graduation rates of, for students and overall and students with disability nationally or a national study of preparedness, both keys to figuring out just how well our education actually serves disabled people. We need these numbers to understand where we are so we can work on doing better. Another thing I haven't found is a good way to compare budgets for either students in general or to understand special education budgets. There is one approximate measure available in the IDEA report, special education staffing. Across all states, the average number of full-time special education teachers is 5.9 per 100 special education students with 5.7 teachers of those teachers considered highly qualified. Once again, the numbers vary widely. 
Indiana reports only 0.7 teachers per 100 students, while several states have close to 10 special education teachers per 100 students. A range of 0.7 to 10 special education trained teachers per 100 students is a system completely out of control. Here in California, the numbers are nothing to write home about. We have only 3.3 special education teachers per 100 students, just over half the national average. Raw staff bodies isn't everything, but resources do matter. One of the big themes for special education advocates is inclusion. That is, having students with disabilities in classrooms learning with their general education peers. While there isn't a good number for inclusion, there actually is a pretty good number for exclusion. How many kids do we officially segregate from their peers? The kids on the short bus that you may never see. In some schools, they don't even get included in the yearbook. The Department of Education tracks how many students spend less than 40% of their time with typical kids in a regular classroom or in a separate school or another facility. The national average is 13.3% of students with disabilities are in separate classrooms and just over 3% are in a separate school or other facility. I think I need to back things up a bit. Nationally, the number of students who are covered under IDEA is 9.3%. The way of this is counted and reported is bizarre, and numbers vary widely. Uh, the corresponding for num California was 8.4%, and I've seen other numbers closer to 14 to 15%. But this means that an average class of 25 kids, you should expect there to be between two and three kids with disabilities. You may not even notice it. Many disabilities are not visible or obvious. But what this should mean is that every teacher in the United States is a special education teacher because on average, each of them has two to three students with disabilities. They all probably have special education students, and they likely have even more students that don't meet the government thresholds but do actually have a disability. As far as I know, no state requires every teacher to be trained in special education. I would love to be wrong. Correct me, please. Back to inclusion and exclusion. So, for all of the kids with disabilities, a total of 16.3% on average spend most or all of their time segregated from their typical classmates and are either in a separate classroom or in a separate school. Now, I am not a fanatic about inclusion. We just don't have the tools, systems, or supports to include all our disabled students. That is our failure, not theirs, and is something we should be working on all the time. Sadly, 
what seems to be cleared from the scattered data that I have seen over the past several years is that disabled students don't perform better in either environment. Given the important human rights and social benefits of not being segregated, this is actually yet another reason why as many kids as possible should not be kept separate. If there's no benefit, why keep them separate? Kids learn what we teach them. If we segregate some kids and give them an inferior education, their peers see that it is okay to segregate some people and give them an inferior education. And that continues through the rest of their lives. It is true for race, it is true for gender, and it is true for disability. Again, the 16.3% of students who are in substantially segregated environment is an average across all states, and it varies widely between states. Wyoming, North Dakota, and Vermont all have less than 7% of their students with disabilities in segregated classes and schools. Vermont, for some reason, their numbers weren't there this year, but previously their numbers, I think, had been down around 5%. Less than 7% of disabled students kept in segregated classes and schools, compared with a national average of 16%. That's half. A huge difference between the best and the average. And then there is California, New York, and the District of Columbia. These numbers were a huge surprise to me back when I first found this report back in January of 2019. California, D.C., and New York are dead last. They have the most segregated schools in the country for students with disabilities. I've lived in D.C. and California basically my whole life, and I had no idea. California has 19.8 of its students with disabilities in segregated classrooms, the worst in the country, and it has 3% in segregated schools. The District of Columbia has 15.3% of students in segregated classrooms, but 8.6% in segregated schools, the most disabled students in separate schools in the country. And New York is right up there with 19% of students in segregated classes and 4.9% in segregated schools. These three states have the most segregated schools for kids with disability by a substantial margin compared with other states. They are more than 50% more segregated than the average for the country. Until I saw this number, I thought my school district and California were typical. It changed how I look at everything. It changes how I think about everything. It tells me much better is possible. Finally, we'll wrap up with a dismal oversight of the special education program by Congress and the Department of Education. The Individuals with Disabilities Act was first passed in 1975 as the Education for All Handicapped Children Act. While the Americans with Disability Act turned 30 this year, IDEA will be turning 45 on November 29th, 2020. The Department of Education builds this report on IDEA every year, 
and only 21 states are actually meeting the requirements of the law for students between 6 and 21. 21 states out of 50. Well, the number's actually 22, but you have to include the Marshall Islands territory. And no one seems to know or notice. Equality and equity don't happen in the dark. We need to start really looking at the data we have. We need to start acting on what we know. And we can start, and then we can start doing better. Better data, real change, beyond compliance, excellence, high expectations, and equality for all. In the next episode in this series, we'll be diving a bit deeper into California's numbers. So stay tuned. This episode of Disability Democracy was sponsored by Not Without Us. Not Without Us is a 501c4 mutual benefit corporation. Our goal is equality for all disabled adults and kids with disabilities. You can learn more about our work at notwithoutus.org. Our strategy is built on democratic action through this podcast uh, at dis- through this podcast and community at disabilitydemocracy.org by providing organizational support uh, and training for candidates, endorsing candidates, and also working directly on issues. We'd like to thank Eric Knapp and Gloria Kim for their contributions to Not Without Us. You can support Not Without Us with an annual, monthly, or one-time donation at notwithoutus.org join. If you have any questions or comments on this episode, visit disabilitydemocracy.org. You can email us, leave a comment, or even a voice message. I'm Stephen Davis, and on behalf of Not Without Us, we think that democracy comes not from a vote every two years, but from the actions we can take every day. Every day.